It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, getting you ready for this upcoming weekend's battle as Texas A&M looks to close out the season on a positive note against the top-ranked LSU Tigers. That's going to be a battle that everyone's going to want to talk about, not just because of the fact that A&M could possibly be the one team to upset the top-ranked Tigers this year, but also when you look at this team and what happened last year and the history behind this game that now lives there, Everything is riding on LSU to finish strong, and we had to make sure that we had a good show this week because it is the top-ranked Tigers. So we have a very special guest joining us today. He is my counterpart for the Sports Illustrated Maven family. He writes for LSU Maven. He is the senior writer. He's your favorite 6'10 average guy. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Glenn West. Glenn, how are we doing, buddy? I'm uh, doing great, Cole. Thanks for having me on, man. Uh, I'm excited for this weekend. It should be a uh, pretty passionate one in in Tiger Stadium for sure. I mean, those fans are going to be uh, pretty rowdy for 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 those Aggies that are that are traveling. So uh, plan plan accordingly. No, that's definitely true. And I got to ask, are you really six ten? Yeah, well, I, I I am six ten. I'm maybe even a little taller. I mean, that that was uh, maybe a year ago when I updated that last, and I. Just recently found out I can no longer fit into size 15 shoes, so My God. I have to figure out a way to way to get uh, some size 16s, which are very hard to come by. I've already done some research, and there's really uh, no options there, so I might have to call my good buddy Shaq. Oh, my God, man. If you and I stood next to each other, that would just be like a puppet show going on. Because I'm five foot eight and you're six foot eleven, and I'm like, all right, this would be kind of funny. But anyways... I, 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 I get it on a daily basis at, at, at on the beat, man. Just never, never a day without someone bringing it up. So it, it's I, I fine. Really I'm cool imagine. with it now. I mean, like that's like superhero height, in my opinion. But much like superhero <laughs> height, this Tigers team has pretty much been the superhero team of the college football season, and a lot of that's been due to the offense. And while um, I do believe that the defense has been the backbone under Dave Aranda. One thing that I've really noticed is the progression of Joe Burrow this season, and a lot of that is due to, I think, the hiring of Joe Brady. Can you talk a little bit about what you've seen from the passing game from last season that has transformed over to this season, which now has not just the Tigers sitting as the number one team in the country, but also Joe Burrow probably walking away as not just possibly the Maxwell and Davey O'Brien winner, but also the 2019 Heisman winner? Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, that those are all very much in his future. Um, I think really the progression of Joe Burrow dates back to, to last year's A&M game. Uh, you know, last, you know, he was absolutely phenomenal those final two games with A&M and then UCF in the bowl game. And I think he gave him a lot of confidence moving into this year and this offseason. He spent a lot of time with, you know, receivers, Jamar Chase, with Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, you know, all those guys would work out on the weekends and, and, and put in extra work. And you really have seen that this year. You know, they're, they're, the timing there has been uh, exquisite between all of those guys. And, um, you know, I think really he found his stride. You know, last year against A&M, he, he rushed for 100 yards. He had never rushed for that many yards in a game before. And he talked about it earlier this week, you know, just how physically 
exhausted he was after that game last year and how it really kind of, you know, gave him that confidence boost that, hey, you know what, I can I can have these elite games in these big-time moments. And, you know, obviously this year we've seen that time and time again from him. So uh, I think some of that obviously has to do with what Joe Brady has brought to the table. You know, they've really – implemented that spread offense to a, to a T this, this, this year. And uh, I think it's something that, you know, future LSU offenses, while may, maybe not to the level that Burrow has been doing it this year, uh, I think you can expect something very similar in future seasons with LSU. And I think that has a lot to do with what Joe Brady's done and obviously what Joe Burrow has done. Yeah, you definitely have to look at what Joe Burrow did. And you wrote about this earlier this week about last season's game, the seven overtime game where Burrow had to leave the game at the end, pretty much going into the medical tent and had to have fluids rushed into him due to dehydration. That's the type of player he was. And Coach Fisher actually brought that up earlier this week in Monday's press conference, talking about Joe Burrow's tenacity and his drive. And he thought he had the best game overall of LSU's players and it's really hard to argue against him 370 yards 100 on the ground 270 passing six total touchdowns those are video game like numbers in a seven overtime battle but I I do think that what you said is the emergence of Joe Brady in the passing game wide receivers coach they they are allowing him to be a pass game coordinator as well that really helps out we have Glenn West you can follow him on social media at Glenn West 21 Glenn West 21 Glenn Right now, the biggest question I have is, what have you seen from Jamar Chase and, and, and all the other receivers that have really kind of benefited this LSU offense? Because you have two guys in the 1,000-yard marker, but at the same time, you also have Thaddeus Moss and, and your third option, one with eight touchdowns and one with 36 receptions, the most for an LSU tight end. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, the, obviously the, the, the spread offense was going to be uh, very tailor-made for these receivers and these tight ends. But, you know, I think just the biggest, you know, kind of progression that we've seen has been from Jamar Chase and from Terrace Marshall. You know, those were two freshmen last year that were, uh, you know, kind of kind of thrown into the fire and didn't really – they weren't really ready for it, I don't think. You know, they, they would show flashes of what they could potentially become last year. Uh, it seemed like Jamar Chase in particular last season was just like a first quarter wonder. You know, he'd have a touchdown. I think all of his touchdowns last year came in the first quarter, and then he, for whatever reason, just wasn't getting as involved throughout the whole game. But I think it comes back to what, you know, what we were just talking about. You know, those guys put in so much work during the summer. Uh, I know Jamar Chase was talking about it, maybe not this week, but last week, that, you know, two or three hours on a Saturday, you know, Joe would call up all the receivers and say, hey, you know, I want to go through this route pattern. And they would work on route trees on, you know, one or two different route trees for like three hours at a time just to get that timing down uh, between all those receivers. And, you know, Justin Jefferson last year was Joe Burrow's go-to guy. Uh, You kind of figured he would be kind of in the same mix uh, as far as target share this, this year. But, I mean, the, the, the growth as far as, you know, Chase is concerned, as far as Marshall is concerned, has been pretty staggering. I mean, Chase has now got the most touchdowns in a single season by LSU wide receiver in history. He's on pace to break the yardage record. And, you know, he's he's been a phenomenal uh, get for LSU and uh, just really a surprise. And then you also mentioned, obviously, Thaddeus Moss. You know, Moss, you know, first two years with the program was just really battling the injury bug. You know, he, he really, he, I think he, he missed all of last year with a, 
with a leg injury, and then the year before that he was out, and and you know he really wasn't healthy until this year. And I think you know obviously um, the the implement the, the the way that they're using the tight ends now with this new spread offense is, is is tailor made for him, and he's been able to reap the benefits of that. So it's been nice to see just kind of the the production spread out as much as it has um, this year after kind of a one-man wonder between Burrow and, and, and Jefferson last year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And Jamar Chase, I think, is going to be the favorite for the Bolitnikoff Award winner. You can go up against guys like Jerry Judy. You can always put Devonta Smith in the running. You can always put a couple of other guys up there just because of the name brand and who they play for. But no receiver has impressed me more this season than Jamar Chase. Guys, we have Glenn West, senior writer for LSU Maven here on the line. Guys, what we're going to do is we're going to let Glenn get his thoughts together because there's a question that I am dying to ask him about the schedule of LSU this season and how it compares to Texas A&M. But we're going to let him think about the question, and we'll be right back in just a quick moment. Guys, erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and a free two-day shipping. Remember, that promo code is GetRoman.com locked and get your erectile dysfunction taken care of today. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, if you're not following us on social media, it's very simple. All you got to do is just go hit your like button at Locked On Aggies, at Aggies SI. Remember, Aggies Maven and the Sports Illustrated family have partnered with the Locked On Podcast Network to give you another quality content audio version of the actual footage for covering Texas A&M. So you want to check that out at Aggies SI. And if you want to follow me, tell me I'm doing a good job. Tell me I'm doing a bad job. I don't really care. I'm up for constructive criticism. My name is at Mr. Cole Thompson. I'm a Mr. I'm Cole Thompson. That's simple. We have Glenn West here, senior writer for LSU Maven, part of the Sports Illustrated family. Glenn, to me, the biggest question mark that I keep hearing from people, and maybe it's because of my family is all from the Midwest, except for me who lives in Texas, is Ohio State is just as a competitive team and maybe is deserving of the potential number one seeding, you know, if they win out, you still have to think LSU is the best team based off the, how many games they've had this year, despite not playing possibly, you know, as highly ranked or highly competitive Texas team or as highly competitive Auburn team that we all thought it was. You got to think that, right? Yeah, no, I, I think so. I Look, I think, you know, Ohio State this year, we've seen it, obviously, you know, they, they've played some very good teams, and they've beaten, obviously, they beat down Wisconsin, you know, they they, they played very well last week against Penn State, uh, you know, I think the, the, the turnover bug kind of hit them a little bit in that second half, and Penn State was able to make it a game, but, you know, I, I think, you know, kind of the national pundits around that, that team is that they're the most well-balanced team, and, you know, you can't really argue with that right now. I think LSU still has a lot of questions they need to answer between now and the college football playoff on their defense. Um, but, you know, I think the, the, the if we're talking just strictly from a schedule standpoint, you know, LSU stacks up with Ohio State, and I think it exceeds it. I mean, yes, Texas hasn't had the season that everyone expected. Uh, Texas has also had a lot of injuries. They've been just absolutely destroyed on that secondary within the injury bug. And uh, I think you can make a case that they would be a lot better if they had stayed healthy this year. Um, I think, you know, the Auburn game was, you know, which, which ended up being kind of the, the, the close call for the LSU because the offense wasn't really 
producing it like they like they like they did all season and still found a way to grind out a win against them. You know, Florida obviously was a very good team. You know, you you and I know, you know, Zach is Zach Goodall who writes for for them is very in touch with them and he said, Look, you know, LSU was, was just the better team and you know, I think that, that, that statement rang true and then obviously the Bama game was kind of the big breakout, you know, game for this LSU team. So I think, you know, with all those games, you know, that LSU has played and they've four top ten wins on the season, you know, there's just I think one of the one of the things that, you know, the committee's gonna have to really, you know, lock in on is what does the eye test tell them and you know, if the eye test tells them that Ohio State deserves to be the number one seed, then that's fine. Um, you know, LSU will have to play Clemson, it looks like, if they're the number two seed. So, um, you know, I think it's just right now it's still kind of open up, open for interpretation. Uh, I think kind of how those teams do in their uh, conference championships will, will tell us a lot. I think if LSU can beat Georgia in the conference championship, that would have been their fifth top ten win of the year which I think would probably give them the edge over Ohio State as far as the one-two battle is concerned. Yeah, I definitely have to go with that too. But also you have to look at this A&M team who's coming in with a 7-4 and record. They're going to make history and be a part of something that has never happened before in the college football world. Not just the playoff world, just the college football world in general. The 2019 Aggies closing out the decade will face the number one team in the country three times in a season. That doesn't also include a top 10 game against Auburn and a top 10 game against Georgia. When you look at AM's schedule overall, what they're coming in with a seven and four record, are you surprised by that? Or are you more so saying maybe that's just how the cards fell? And because of recruiting in the SEC and AM still being the young team in it, maybe was always going to be that seven and four, eight and four kind of team. They, their their schedule is brutal this year. I mean, I, there's no denying that. I mean, uh, you know, like you said, they're playing three number one teams in a season. I mean, that's that, that's about as brutal as you can get. I think if they had won, you know, one 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 or two of those games, you know, that were in the top ten, I think they would probably be a top ten team. You know, if they were, say, you know, ten and two right now instead of eight and four, I think they have and you know had had beaten two quality teams. Um, you know, I think. They they would definitely have a case for, as a top ten team in the country, um, but you know I think you know I haven't done a whole lot of research on A and M. I, I know that their defense is, is is has been pretty good, especially recently. Um, you know, holding you know Georgia to nineteen points, it was 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 a pretty good job for them. And um, you know I think you know I, I'm not sure you would probably be able to answer this better than me, but how, what has the progression been like for Kellen Mond? You know I, I'm not really sure. I know last year. You know, at the end of the season, he was kind of a big ticket item coming into this year, as far as you know, just kind of how uh, you know a Heisman candidate or or whatever whatever you think. But you know, just kind of what, what what's been the development like with him? Because it seems like he hasn't really taken off like a lot of people expect him to this year. Yeah, I think when you really look at what Joe Burrow is this year, is what so many people thought Mom was going to be this year after the successful season he had last year. You know, you remember this game as well as I do last year. Uh, Joe Burrow, 270 yards, six total touchdowns. Kellen Mond, uh, seven total touchdowns, 23 of 49, 287. This was the game where I think a lot of people were sitting around and going, okay, 
we have our guy. We have the guy who's going to take us to the college football playoff. We have the coach who we're paying this much money to do. But then you lose out on players such as Jay Sean Corbin, who is your veteran running back with Travion Williams now in the NFL. And you have a guy like Kendrick Rogers, who was the difference maker in that game, the seven overtime game last year, missed several games due to a, a lower body injury. Those are things that when you look at on paper, they hurt your schedule. And especially against this LSU team, it's one of those things where I see maybe AM coming in and, you know, losing would, would sting, but it's to me, how do they look against this team? Because you look right now at Joe Burrow's numbers on the year and outside of, which I was blown away by when I saw this number, outside of a 321 passing yard performance game, against Auburn he's thrown for over 340 yards in every single game and meanwhile um Clyde uh, Ed Edwards Hilary is been on a streak in recent games if he rushes this week for 100 yards it will be his sixth rushing 100 yard game of the season I mean how do you contain those two overall in your personal opinion yeah, uh, well, Clyde Clyde has been uh, he's been kind of the unsung hero. I mean, his his game against Alabama will be one that's talked about in Baton Rouge for years to come. I mean, when you think of the great performances by LSU running backs, you think Jacob Hester versus Florida. You know, you think Leonard Fournette versus Auburn a couple of years ago when he ran for 285 yards on like 10 carries or something like that, and then. Obviously, Edward Tolaris' performance I think stacks up right 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 up there with him with them. You know, he had 180 yards against the Crimson Tide, four total touchdowns, and I think that game really gave him the confidence that he's really been playing with ever since. I mean, he's been, uh, you know, his 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 cuts are are about as clean as you can find in college football. He makes people miss. He's hard to bring down. You can't tackle him with just your arms. You got to use your full your full might to get him down. And he's doing all this in a five foot eight frame. I mean, Coach uh, Ed Orgeron has said if you had walked into a room, you would have thought he was six four two seventy because of the the plays he can make. Um, you know, in in regards to breaking tackles and and getting out into open field and running people over and stuff like that. So, you know, he he's been a phenomenal kind of just transition player that I don't think many people expected. Uh, you know, he kind of to start the year, you know, through 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 six weeks. Um, you know, kind of was performing about what people thought, you know, he'd get, you know, 70, 80 yards on, you know, 15 or 20 carries. And, you know, that's kind of what she expected from him um, earlier this year. But I think that Alabama game just gave him all the confidence in the world. And I think he's, you know, I've been talking to a couple of people that, uh, you know, that know scouts and everything. And they're, they're saying he could be a third round pick next year in the draft. You know, just if he keeps performing like this, if he finishes out the season, with LSU in the college football playoff and, and, and performs well in those games, uh, there, there's no reason why he can't, why he can't be a, you know, a mid round pick. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, when you have to decide on whether or not you're going to stop him or you're going to stop the passing game, uh, it just makes LSU so much more formidable. Yeah. You look at this Clyde Edwards Harris. It's not about the size of the player, but about the heart inside of him. And I think even as someone as an Alabama alum who watched that game saw what, what he did against the team that I went to college for, 
you look at that game, that is a game-defining moment for him. And, and I would not be shocked to see him his stock start to really rise, especially with the scat back kind of formation. We got Glenn West from Sports Illustrated's LSU Maven. He's the senior writer for them over there. Guys, we have some things to talk about on the defense because in years past, LSU's been the defensive team, but this year they're kind of taking the back-end role because of injuries, number one, and two, the emergence of the offense. But we're going to let Glenn get his thoughts together, and we'll be right back in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, getting you ready for this weekend's game. We have Glenn West. He's the senior writer, my counterpart at LSU Maven, part of Sports Illustrated. Glenn, the biggest storyline that I, I really am looking at this year overall by LSU is the defense as a whole. You know, everyone talks about in years past, the way the defense has looked, the way the defense has played, the way that you have guys in the NFL just immediately transforming and their stock just immediately rises because they went to LSU. But this year, one of the biggest names who's been kind of a letdown, in my personal opinion, just because of injuries, is Grant Deplete. And you have some information on his status moving forward for Saturday's game, don't you? Yeah, no, uh, Grant Delpit, you know, he, he really last, the last, you know, three or four weeks has been battling a, an ankle injury that he sustained at the end of that Auburn win. Uh, it, he's been trying to play through it, and you, you kind of saw in that Ole Miss game, he just wasn't 100%. He took, took some bad reads, and he got blown by by John Rice Plumley, the Ole Miss quarterback, on a couple of different plays in that second half. And so, you know, Orgeron and the coaching staff made the decision to sit him last week against Arkansas to let him rest up. And, you know, uh, on Monday, yesterday, you know, Orgeron came out and said, look, he's close to full speed. You know, he's he's as close to 100% as I think he's going to get. Uh, he's going to practice all week this week. Uh, we talked to Grant yesterday. He seems very, uh, you know, in high spirits. You know, he feels a lot better. He said that ankle is about as close to 100% as it's going to get. And uh, he should be good to go this weekend against Texas A&M. Yeah, that's going to be a really big get for the Tigers defense. Uh, Grant Delpit, one of the better safeties. A lot of scouts that I've spoken to still have a late first-round grade on him. Another guy in the secondary that I really want to talk about a little bit is Christian Fulton. He's another dude who kind of stepped up. And a lot of people at the end of last season said maybe he was better than Greedy Williams, who went in the second round of the Cleveland Browns. Just what have you seen from him? And also, what have you seen from Derek Singletary Jr. in coverage against some of these larger receivers in the SEC? Yeah, you mean Derek Singley? Yeah, uh, Derek Singley. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I think, you know, in regards to Fulton, he's been kind of that, you know, uh, consistent kind of senior veteran that you kind of want in a defensive in a, in a defensive uh, secondary coverage guy. I mean, he hasn't been too flashy, you know, kind of the knock on him the last couple of years is how he's had so many interceptions right in his hands that he just kind of hasn't been able to capitalize on. Um, but, you know, he, he has, you know, nine pass breakups this year. Uh, he doesn't allow a whole lot of uh, catches against them. He, 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 he does things, you know, that, you know, lead to winning performances. Um, he was a guy that was kind of hurt last year a little bit as well, but has really kind of, I think, solidified himself as kind of a, you know, maybe not a first-round pick, but definitely a second or a third-round pick uh, in next year's draft. Uh, Derek Stingley, uh, you know, eight weeks into the season, nine weeks into the season, was about as good as you'll ever find in a in a freshman corner. I mean, LSU, he was the number one player last year coming out of high school, and 
uh, was was really uh, starting to hit his stride uh, within that defense. He was making plays in like every every week. Uh, he kind of hit a bit of a freshman wall against Alabama. I mean, Devontae uh, Smith uh, had a had a hell of a game uh, for for uh, the Tide, and and a lot of that was with Stingley uh, in coverage on him. And he's kind of had a, a rough couple of weeks uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, he. I think that the team obviously is still very high on him and he's going to be someone that, you know, uh, is going to be on your, your best receiver and, and, and try to lock him down. You know, he had a good game against Arkansas last week, but it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a moot point against Arkansas, you know. Uh, but, you know, Stingley is somebody that I think, you know, if there's going to be someone to go after as far as confidence, I think Mond will probably look for uh, whoever Stingley is covered, uh, covering and uh, try to attack them early in the game and see just kind of how the freshman stack stacks up against uh, those uh, A&M receivers. Uh, but, you know, I think future-wise, I mean, he's going to be it, – it'd be very surprising to me if in two years Derek Stingley isn't a top-ten pick. You look at Derek Stingley's numbers, and even though he is the youngest member of the secondary, he leads the LSU Tigers – with four interceptions on the year. Glenn, before we let you go, there's something that that a lot of people I know around College Station, around the state of Texas, have been wondering, and that is Joe Burrow's comments on the game Sunday night. I mean, you were you were there. You were able to see what happened against Arkansas. Was the focus automatically right to A&M as soon as that game was over? Like, it wasn't about Arkansas anymore. It was about A&M, or was it... Be- was it more so like we're gonna let this one you know seep in and then we'll worry about a and m come Monday because the way everyone's been talking about this from people I've spoken to out in Baton Rouge is that it has been three hundred and sixty one days of just them waiting for this rematch, yeah, no I think I think there's definitely an element to that, you know, look Saturday. You know, even Ed Orgeron said after the game, "Look, we're we're supposed to beat Arkansas. We're not, you know, over the moon with pride of of beating a team that hasn't won an SEC game in over two years." And he kind of track tacked those statements on Monday, uh, kind of apologized for taking that that dig at Arkansas. But you know, look, the players that we talked to after the game are very ready for this game. They feel like you know, last year there was multiple times where they won that game and uh, that it was kind of out of their control what the what, what what happened with the referees, you know, whether it be, you know, allowing, uh, you know, a second to be put back on the clock, you know, uh, in, in, at the end of that fourth quarter. Um, it was the, obviously the right call, but the rule last year was that, you know, you couldn't spike a ball with under three seconds left. And uh, that was something that Orgeron was very – adamant about in his post game that there shouldn't have been a uh an, an, an added time to that to allow that last play to happen to force overtime you know the players kind of felt cheated after the game you know and and i don't think that feeling has gone away i think you know kind of saturday the the early kind of statements were you know hey we're going to give them our best shot you know we're going to you know we're going to lay it on them we're going to you know try to beat these guys you know, uh, as handily as we can but uh, you know, kind of the 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 statements on Monday were, look, we just got to play our game. You know, we feel like we're the better team. We go out there and we play our game the way we know how, and we feel like we got a pretty good chance on Saturday. So I think that's just kind of where their mindset is at right now. 
I cannot blame you the way that this LSU team has looked four wins against top 10 against top 10 opponents. They're going to have a fifth opportunity no matter what, because they will be playing Georgia next week in the SEC championship. Guys, once again, give it up for my main man, Glenn West. You can follow him on social media at Glenn West 21. You can also check out all of his work at LSUSI. You want to check out this guy's work. He's fantastic. He does awesome coverage, not just on LSU football, but also on LSU basketball. Guys, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. But make sure you're following us on social media. Three simple steps at Locked on Aggies, at Aggies SI. And you can always follow me at Mr. Cole Thompson. Tomorrow, we will be back for Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. And it's a very special Thanksgiving-based episode where we're going to talk about the top things we are thankful for in Texas A&M history over the past decade. Can you believe it's already going to be 2020? I know Glenn can't believe it. I know I can't believe it. But that will be our Thanksgiving very special episode. One more shout-out to my main man, Glenn West. And we will see you all on Thursday. And remember, gig them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.